This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Football Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that has been known to bite back. It's hard to remember a worse week in recent times following Chelsea as we limply exited both the Champions League and the FA Cup. All this seemed to be compounded by Costa apparently being sent off for biting Everton's Gareth Barry. Now, whilst all of us can understand the desire to do Barry serious injury, Thankfully, Costa pulled his chompers away at the last second, thereby, thereby even avoiding a dreaded Luis Suarez scenario. In reality, the only thing to bite was the rea- realisation that these two defeats mean that our season is over by March for the first time since, by my reckoning, about 2000 or 2001. And an uncertain future awaits the club, players and supporters alike. I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Football Fancast, number 347, Reality Bites. So there we go. On this somewhat gloomy Monday, uh, I am delighted to uh, be joined by three people who I hope are going to cheer me up considerably, and they are. They are the wonderful Clayton Beerman. Good evening, Lord Chidge. How are you? Um... I'm still pretty miserable, actually. I was overwhelmed by bleakness on Saturday, not helped by my uh, inability to avoid Twitter, really. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty grumpy about it all, to be honest, mate. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm okay. I've, I got a lot off my chest with my article. Um, mm, spot but, on, uh, mate. Yeah, but um, I hope to get some more off my chest this evening. Well, I think this will be a collective group therapy session, and I, I'm delighted to. <laughs> have uh the the kind of last minute substitution uh ross mooring was scheduled to be on the show tonight but unfortunately he couldn't get back to where he needed to be to do it in time so we have the uh the chelsea fan cast equivalent of a super sub which is mr dan silver evening mate how are you doing? I'm, I'm all right how are you yeah. 
Uh, still a little bit low. So it's been a, it's been a pretty horrible football week, um, really since Stoke. So it's kind of reality check for a lot of us, I think, as well, given yeah. the loss. Anyway, we'll, we'll come with that later on. But no, otherwise, really good. Can't complain. Good. And it's really lovely for you to be here. And thank you so much for coming in at the last minute. That's very, very... See, that's the My kind pleasure. of attitude that Chelsea need, really, you know. A bit of a uh, bit of spirit and 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 you know, desire. Yeah, hunger, you know, desire, hunger. Exactly. Yeah. Now, last but by no means least, one of my favourite Chelsea people, an absolutely fantastic Chelsea author, and all round lovely bloke, Mr. Mark Worrell. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm not depressed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you're drinking, Marco, I'll have three pints of it. I purged myself <laughs> in an article earlier today. Yes, you did. In fact, actually, for anybody who's listening, and there are lots of you in the Mixler room already, uh, do yourself a favour and uh, find on ESPN's website Marco's uh, recent uh, article for them. It's, uh, it's, it's somewhat sobering, I think, is how I would put it. But as always with Marco, it's very, very finely crafted. Anyway, lovely to have you lot uh, with me this evening. Uh, and particularly, as always, lovely to have so many of you in the live Mixler chat room. And just running down the list, I can see we've got the lovely Andy Silverman in the house. Gary Wilson. Uh, Steve, a.k.a. CFC Mode. The lovely Debs, CFC Unofficial. I don't know what they're all talking about. This is the great thing about the chat room, is that they kind of only vicariously listen to us and basically spend most of the evening cracking jokes amongst themselves, which is absolutely how it should be in the spirit of punk rock, and that's why I love them all. Can I just say that Gary Gary Wilson has already excelled himself by mentioning the Wheel Tapper and Shunter Social Club. Jesus, I I remember that. I was on the telly when I was a kid. Colin Compton! Wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The, the flat little... cap and the fag hanging out the corner of his mouth. <laughs> I never understood the, the, the bell thing. Was that that sort of reminded me of the, the bell at the Greyhound track? Oh, I just wondered what oh, that bell was. Oh what, you mean the bell that went round? Yeah. Best of order. That's it. Oh dear, well it's probably better to talk about that for two hours than what we are going to talk about. Well I don't know, it's a close sun thing. And just a quick reminder to you three that I will bring each one of you in when we get into the nuts and bolts of the show so that we avoid talking over each other, which uh, when we're doing it on Skype is a bit of a nightmare. Skype has this kind of weird priority thing, which means that whoever kind of gets in there first just completely overrides everybody else. But I, I will bring you all in by name so we can make that work. Anyway... On the show tonight, we're going to be discussing what the cost of Costa is to the club. Is he a liability worth putting up with? And uh, with Lukaku scoring twice to put us out of the cup, should the Chelsea Brains Trust be ruining letting the big Belgian go? Who's just died in the background? Is that you, Dan? No, nothing. Somebody made a horrendous noise. Uh, I told you, it picks up everything, this uh, microphone and, and the speakers. Anyway, in part two, we'll be finishing... Uh, sorry, we'll we'll, uh, we'll finish the Everton chat off because we're going to kind of run that into part two as well. And we're going to ask, were the players too tired or just not bothered? And uh, turning our attention to the PSG game, we'll ask, was Costa going off injured the turning point? And has this proven how flawed our striker policy has been this season? And should Hazard have swapped shirts with Di Maria? And what future does he have at the club? In part three, we'll be looking at the future for Chelsea and asking, will it be wilderness or wonderland as we discuss what big changes will be needed to get us back to the top? And uh, with Clayton having written a fantastic blog for the Chelsea fancast yesterday, it touches on most of those points. I shall be interested to hear what he has to say. 
Now, to wrap up, in part four, we'll have the usual round of Chelsea supporters news together with an exciting competition to win, well, not to win a Chelsea shirt, but to win, I think, 50 quid's worth of vouchers that you can then buy a Chelsea shirt at the wonderful Classic Football Shirts website. Money or vouchers, what more could we want? Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join the chat by posting on the live chat page. Now, uh, you can also tweet us at Chelsea Fancast during the show. Tell us what you think about the games, how depressed you are, what remedies you've got for cheering yourself up, anything you like, really, and I will I will promise to try and have a proper look. But there you go. Now, after this little bit of stingage, we will get into the proper chat tonight. <laughs> Okay, first up on the item, I mean, it would be very rude not to to, to go down the uh, typical uh, broadcasting route and highlight the most important things of the Everton match, uh, which, of course, is Costa. Um, I mean, you know, clearly, uh, well, I mean, I say clearly, it didn't look that clear when you you saw what he was doing to Barry, but I mean, I have to say, I thought Barry was, considering what an odious piece of shit he is, I thought he was pretty good of him to kind of say that, uh, that Costa didn't bite him at all. What, what do you think, Clayton? Um, oh, two things, uh, two main things. One, um, that that all happened after the game was gone. Up until that point, he was without doubt our best player because he was the only player that looked like he gave a toss. Um, he was kicked mm. from pillar to post. He got absolutely no protection. He does himself no favours. We know that. But most referees go out there with an agenda which is basically whatever happens it's his fault and then and then they go and decide afterwards so I think he was fairly hard done by and to be perfectly honest um, after what was it I don't know when he got sent off 85th minute after he'd just been kicked to buggery he'd seen us lose I think he just thought you know what I've had enough of this Um, I love him I absolutely love him. I don't want him to go anywhere. I think he will go, but I don't want him to go anywhere. I mean, he shows heart and desire. Um, he wants to win. He's the best striker the club have had since uh, since Drogba, and I I think we should do everything we can to keep him. Um, I couldn't agree. I couldn't disagree um, with any of that, to be honest, uh, Dan. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I agree with I, I agree totally with with uh, with Clayton on the fact that that. Barry and Everton basically, you know, set out to wind him up and kick him off the pitch. And I, I think the trouble is, is that if you've got a referee as useless as Michael Oliver, although having said that, I think they're all bloody useless. Mm. You know, the inevitable's going to happen. I mean, I kind of have sympathy with him, but you kind of knew it was going to happen. And I mean, I just wonder about this, Dan. I mean, you know, whether, whatever the rights and the wrongs of it are, a decent manager would have seen that and protected him himself and taken him off. I think absolutely. I think ref, he was kicked from minute one. Barry should have got put to the ninth minute for quite a naughty tackle, and that would have might have stemmed it, stemmed the you know the, the, the Costa aggravation. My feeling is, 
you know, 100% agree with Clayton. And he, 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 he sells very close to the wind. He gets booked, then you notice he can rein it in. Matt Sampson's got booked, hasn't got a second year. This time, I think he just snapped. He thought, this has been a diabolical week. I've had enough. And he reacted. I think it's just in his nature. You take with Costa, you take on board the history on it, you take on board that, you know, he's got that lesson temperament, he will react. But as I say, he's, 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 he's the only player that shows desire and heart and fight. You know, we, we bemoan the lack of leaders' characters. He, he's what we should be building a team around. On form, he's a great striker, and I, I love him. He's, he's, he's aggressive, he, he's, a, he's a winner, and we, and we need winners. If we're going to sell him in a couple of JT, We've got, we've got no winners left. Marco, I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, is he, is he a liar? I mean, you know, I'm really torn with this. I've got to be honest, because, you know, when you get a player who can get wound up like that and sent off, whatever the rights and wrongs are, it is a bit of a liability. But on the other hand, is it a liability that's worth putting up with? I think I think he's a wrong one, to be honest with you. Mm. I think he's a great, he's a great striker. Um, but the the... the the liability aspect of it, um, yeah, that game had already gone on Saturday against Everton. But you know, if somebody behaved like that in the in the workplace, if any of us behaved like that at work, we'd get the sack. There wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be. You've clearly never been to my workplace, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, the FA the FA have come out this evening and charged him with improper conduct. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, it's fair enough whether or not he bit. He bit um, Barry or not, um, you know, and Barry says he didn't, and that's fair enough. But, you know, all, all that sort of, you know, thuggery and pantomime villain type stuff, it's just shit. We don't want to be associated with that kind of thing at Chelsea. You know, I mean, look at, look at, look, I know we're talking about Lukaku later, but, you know, could you ever imagine Lukaku behaving like that? No. How many goals has Lukaku scored this season? More than more than Costa, mate. Exactly. Mm. So, you know, there's no need for it. Yeah, he's got heart, but there's always, you know, Costa in a game. There's always that little possibility that something might trigger, um, you know, the bad side of Costa, and and as a result, Chelsea could. Um, you know, lose out, lose out in the in a, in a well, game situation. As it looks like they will, because I suspect that the FA will ban him for three games, which which you, you know he might otherwise have got away with. I mean, like I said, lads, I'm I'm quite torn on this. I mean, you know, like like Clayton and Dan to a certain extent were saying, I, I love him, you know, because I love his attitude, his will to win, the fact that he when when he's up for it, he's really really up for it. But like Marco, I I I could do without, you know, he. he it's a very, very fine line that he walks, and therefore it's very, very easy to fall over it. And it, and it does remind me, to a certain extent, of, of Drogba's attitude when he first played for Chelsea, and he did spend a year or two, you know, using the same kind of. Well, I mean, without saying that it's all the foreigners that do this, but there's a very kind of continental dark arts here, you know, and it doesn't really go down well. And and I mean, I remember at the time that we we gave. Drogba dogs abuse for behaving like that and he cut it out of his game uh, a lot of the diving and the cheating and the niggling and became one of the arguably the greatest striker we've ever had so I am really torn but uh, I think this is immaterial because one thing that really occurred to me actually in the immediate aftermath of it when nobody could tell whether it was a bite or not 
what occurred to me was blimey um that's exactly what suarez did when he when he he, he bit people uh, and he bit branner uh, to to manufacture a move out of liverpool you know and and i and i, and I wonder if if that was what was going through uh, costa's mind because you know he, he looked as though he was about to bite him and then he clearly stopped and we hear rumours all of the time about the fact that he's not settled in London, he doesn't like it in England, he wants to go back to Atletico Madrid. So that really does beg the question, Clayton, you know, will he go? Should we let him go? I think the um, the rumours, they just, I, I, I listened to the Sunday supplement thing or, or just the, the Chelsea part of it and the journalist who has a Greek sounding name, but I can't actually remember. He basically... which is not a very nice thing to catch. No, um, you can get cream for that now, apparently. Um, he he basically said that as far as he was concerned, this was Costa sending a message to Abramovich that I don't want to be here anymore. Um, you know, he was basically saying that he wants out. He, he, he Atletico wanted him back in December, but we wouldn't let him go. Um, I mean, I, I don't think he... I mean... We're going to talk about PSG, and I think you know he put his body on the line in PSG if he wasn't fit, and he scored a fantastic goal. I I hear what Marco says, and and you know we were all appalled and by by Suarez what he did, because um, it wasn't only against Ivanovic, it was in the World Cup. Um, but you know the the fact of the matter is that wouldn't it be great to see Costa playing in a side that was united and winning and, and, and see whether there'd be as much trouble. I, I, I've said this on, on the podcast many, many times. He's had a raw deal since he's been here from, mm. from day one, since the game against Burnley, when he had a stone cast penalty, which I think was Michael Oliver, if I'm not mistaken. And he gave it as a dive when it wasn't. And, and, and that's, that's basically been the thing. It's interesting. Do you not do you not think that he invites he invites all his problems? He's the architect of his own misfortune when it comes to the the attention he gets from other players, um, the attention he gets from referees because of his temperament. I I I don't. I've I've said on many occasions he's his own worst enemy, but I do actually think that referees go onto the pitch with basically um, a guilty verdict and, and and he has to stay, he has to be better behaved than most. And I think that that's unfair. Just going back to what you were saying about Drogba, and yes, the crowd did get on his back, but the one thing that's interesting that I think why Costa perhaps has not been reined in is because we had that cabal of players, the Terrys, the Lampards, the Czechs, the Dro- uh, not the Drogba, obviously, <laughs> who basically pulled him to one side and said, oi, Stop it. Stop mucking about. Play football. Get on with it. We haven't got anybody here to do that anymore. Mm, I think that's and a I good point. That, um, that, that's that's probably a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's a really tricky one. You know, I, I think I think you make a good point that uh, in a happy team that's doing really, really well, I think he can be a, a, a real asset and a, and a great striker. But, you know, he, I think he was amongst many who have underperformed for a lot of the season, although since Gus has come in and man managed him perhaps slightly better, uh, he's been the coster that we will all want to see. And I think the other interesting point to to, uh, uh, to, to take hold of is, you know, all, all, the, all the hyperbole and the hysteria that surrounds him, which I think, you know, feeds in on itself in a way. 
it's important to remember that's the first time he's actually got a red card for Chelsea, and, he, and even so, it was a second yellow, so it wasn't actually a straight red. So I think I think he does get unfairly demonised. I mean, the last thing I'll say on this is that you know, if he if he doesn't want to be here and he wants to play somewhere else, go. I don't want, and I, this is a theme that will recur throughout the evening. I think I don't want any player at Chelsea that doesn't want to be at Chelsea and play for us. It's that simple. I don't care who they are, and I include Costa in that. Anyway, we're going to move on. Uh, it's a very interesting evening tonight to compare and contrast. I've kind of said that the, the ghost of Romelu Lukaku. I'll share this with you. I did a little interview with your mate Dan. Uh, you know the the uh, radio woking people. Oh, Declan. Yeah. yeah, and uh, they were saying, well, what's going to happen? Do you know? Do you think Lukaku will will come and bite us on the arse? And of course, I I I, I glibly said, no, 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 no. He never turns up in the big matches. He's never scored against us. You know, he, he'll bottle it as always. And I, and I did actually say quite smartly. Having said that, what will happen now is he'll probably go and score two or three goals and I'll, I'll look like a complete mug. What happened? He scores two goals and yeah. I look like a complete mug. But the first, the first thing really, though, uh, Dan, is, you know, was that first goal, was it a great goal or was it just shit defending? Uh, I think it was shit defending, perfectly honest. I think I can understand that you can out-muscle the creator because he's obviously a much physically stronger person. But the way he... Mikel did nothing, Brown did nothing, Gary Cahill got turned in circles and continued to back off rather than trying to push him wide or show him onto his left foot. I mean, it was, I mean, fair play for Carter because he bull, bull, bullied us, bulldozed through. We should defend that better. You can't get past four players and get a shot away. I think Courtois' positioning was quite poor as well for the goal. I mean, Clayton might, Clayton might disagree because obviously he's you know, being a keeper, but I thought his positioning was poor. He kind of dabbed out a foot while he's trying to dive across his goal, but that's. I think all the all the nonsense about it being an absolute, you know, everybody wetting their pants about what a, a worldie it was is just way off the mark. I mean, you know, Oscar gave the ball away and then jumped out of a tackle, and then another. I think Branner certainly and Cahill also jumped out of tackles. Mm. I mean, you know, I think I think given that defending, I might have been able to put that in the net, Marco. Hmm. You've seen me play, obviously. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> now, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. I, I, I could just see it happening. I don't know why. Mm, bad feeling and all of that. Yeah. Did you um, put a bet on it, though, mate? Pardon? Did you put a bet on it, though? No. <laughs> uh, I didn't put a bet on anything on uh, Saturday. Or, um I actually thought it was going to end up a nil-nil draw when I saw Mikel and Matic um, on the, in the starting lineup, and the way the sort of game evolved over the first, uh, certainly in the first half, um, and as the sort of second half wore on, I thought, yeah, we'll get these back to the bridge. Um, Wembley, I'll get to wear my Adidas Munchen originals that I've been sitting in the box since I bought them <laughs> waiting for the next trip to Wembley. Um but no, Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, 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 honestly, I, I mean, I th it was a decent goal, but I've got to say, I, I, the defending was abysmal, wasn't it, Clayton? I mean, you might, surely you agree with me on this. Please, somebody agree with me that it was rubbish defending. Uh, I think Dan agreed with you as well, but yeah, I, yeah, it was. It was appalling. It was absolutely appalling. The ball was played out on the on on the wing, he was nowhere. He he got past Asby, Branner doing his hands behind the back nonsense. He then approached the box and Mikel waved him through because he didn't want to 
bring him down, which was fair enough. Cahill got turned about eight times, as far as I can see. And you're spot on, Dan. I have abs- I did. I've not. I've not seen an angle where I can actually try and work out what Tebow was doing. He was probably pissing himself laughing at the at the, at the, the absolutely appalling attempts for anybody to stop him. But he seemed to be his body was all on his right hand side, and the ball was crossed was 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 sort of passed into the net on the left hand side. It was absolute just comedy of errors. I'm going to say something which I, I, I you shout me down if you will. Um, but I actually think what you were saying about Lukaku never doing it against us. I honestly think that he is a massive, massive Chelsea fan, and I don't. I, I've, every time I've seen him play. <laughs> He just doesn't look like he wants to do it. And on Saturday, he probably thought, oh, please, somebody tackle me. Oh, God's sake, tackle me. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it was a dreadful, dreadful goal, goal to, to, to basically concede. It really was. I mean, I think that the thing that really pisses me off about Saturday more than anything else was the fact that Everton was shite. Mm. We got beaten by an absolutely crap team. Do, do, you, not mean, think, they... do you not think, though, Clayton, I mean... No, we are. We're a crash. Yeah, yeah. I think we've been sort of deluded slightly by what's happened since Christmas in or since um Hiddink arrived. Um, you know, and we stopped sort of we stopped losing domestic games. Um but but you know, the Lukaku goal and the horrible defending was just like watching some of those games earlier in the season where we, we threw away um, goals to shocking defending, so I think we were just reverting to time. It was just more of the same of what we've seen earlier in in the season. Yeah, yeah it was a bit. Dan, um, here's the sixty-four billion dollar question. You know, should we have let Lukaku go? I mean, it's hindsight, isn't it? I it mean, is, isn't it? That's the thing. I mean, he, he could have gone to Everton and you know been playing for Derby County now. Same as same as De Bruyne. We didn't know how they were going to get on. It's all weird where I say, oh, yeah, we should have sold them. But if he was, you know, two goals a season for whoever, we wouldn't really care. The fact is he's come and he's done really well. And it, it boils back to the old argument that we don't give anyone time, irrespective of who they are. So there's, there's, two, there's two players who have left Chelsea and gone on to become, you know, arguably world-class players in, in De Bruyne and Lukaku. You know no. what, my, my suspicion is, I mean, you know, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I would have rather he stayed. I really would. Yeah. But, I mean, the reality is, is that he he, he did angle for going because he wanted first-team football. But I, and, 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 I, and apparently, from what we understand, Mourinho didn't want him to go. But I think what's happened, and I think this is, again, we'll, we'll talk about this in part three, but this is very much part of the deeper malaise at the club. You know, a little bit of a player saying, I want to go because I want to play first-team football. And suddenly the business people at the club going, oh, 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 we could get yeah. a lot of money for him. We might as well let him go, you know. And I and I think actually, you know, if we if it's another example of the business wagging the do, uh, the tail of the football dog. And I think you know, De Bruyne is another example. Although I think that there were other perhaps more serious issues with that. But I think Lukaku, easy to say in hindsight, but I think it was a mistake to let him go. Right now we've got to go for a break. But after that, uh, we're going to finish talking about the Everton game and asking basically were the players too tired or were they just not bothered and then we'll turn our attention to the PSG game and we'll ask was Costa going off injured the turning point and this proven has this proven how flawed our striker policy has been this season 
And should Hazard have swapped shirts with Di Maria and what does the what future does he have at the club? And also in the interim, I will endeavour to put my teeth in because they've clearly gone missing. Anyway, we'll see you in a sec. <laughs> The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and uh, you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast and unlike many people, I'm not as angry as perhaps I should be. But there you go. We'll soon change all of that. Um, I've got some lovely people in the house tonight. They are Clayton Beerman. Good evening. Good to see you, mate. And we have the wonderful Mark Worrell. Hello. And we've got the superb, uh, fantastic and uh, long-suffering Dan Silver. <laughs> evening. Good to, good to hear your lovely voices. Yeah. Now, um, one, one thing, I mean, you know, I'm going to kick this off really the last bit of the Everton game because I think you know everything I've read and heard uh, from everybody you know that was up there was, was just the, the, the huge sense of disappointment not not just because we were beaten and we went out of the FA Cup although God knows that was bad enough but just the perceived issue yet again that the players weren't putting it in and they didn't seem to care or it was just a really limp 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 exit um you know, and I think that's what really hurts the most. Um, but I mean, Gus tried to to paper over that enormous crack, which was to say that, oh well, you know, we played PSG on the Wednesday and the players were tired and Everton had more preparation, you know, preparation time, uh, and we were just tired. I've got to say, I think that's absolute bollocks, Clayton. Um, I do think it's bollocks, but I would imagine that the the game on Wednesday took a lot out of those players physically and mentally because they were probably really upset to have gone out. I do I do genuinely think that. Um, do you know what the game felt like? Do you remember um, when the lovely Rafa was our manager and we went to Swansea for the second leg of the League Cup semi final? Uh-huh. And we did absolutely the square root of diddly squat. It was like this is a cup semi-final. What? What? When? When are you going to get involved? When are you going to start fighting and kicking people and and looking like you give a toss? Um, it, it just had that feel about it. There was like, but you know, you've got a team selection. You've got um, Obi Wan and you've got Matic in the middle of the park. You're never going to create anything. There's no tempo, and and your midfield sets the tempo for the team, and that midfield is is unfortunately it's not good enough. Um, and eh, I'm sure the players wanted to win, but I think we have to. Uh, and Mark alluded to it. I think we have to just accept the fact that we're actually not very good. Yeah. I mean, as I, I go back to the fact that Everton are a well, on that day, they were a very poor side. I don't think they did anything to us other than try to disrupt us and kick us. Um, and I've, I've, I've found it quite strange with a lot of teams that we've played that you don't have to do that. You just have to have a go at us. Well, we're, we're, you know. as they did, I, I thought Andy and the lovely Andy Silverman, who's in Mixler as as we speak, uh, I, 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 loved, I loved his tweet after the game 
which pretty much summed it up. Uh, no passion, no desire, no shape, no defence, no manager, no proper Chelsea players, no JT from next season. The future looks so bright. Uh, I mean that you know that that that's the best summary of the game that I've seen. Um, I mean the other thing that really compounded it for me was the fact that the players are making so many mistakes, weren't they, Dan? Yeah, I just I can't work it out. I mean, there's there's some very very talented players not playing as a team. I think it's, it's it's baffling unless they've been told, listen, every single one of you, you're out, and we're going to have like a massive overhaul in the summer. They don't they don't want to play. There's there's no. But I think, no... I think I think the problem with that though, Dan, and, and maybe this is something we can return to in part three. But they don't. I think this is the absolute embodiment of of what is wrong with modern football, and and particularly what may have gone wrong at Chelsea now is that none of them care because you know. They won't take it. They did. They didn't like Jose digging them out when they weren't putting it in, um, mm. because they'll just think, "Well, we'll just go somewhere else," you know. And yeah. that ultimately, I think, is what's wrong with it. They're, they're almost unimpeachable, and 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 I think that the, the supporters are not. I mean, the one thing you can say about supporters is they are not stupid. They can smell a rat, and they oh. have smelt a rat this season, and clearly are not, not enough of them putting it in. Another question I'm going to ask, though, which I I really just does my I mean, you know, the the, 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 the I, I actually nearly threw uh, the remote control at the TV during the game, and 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 then I very quickly was reminded that I saw a picture uh, on Twitter on Twitter recently of somebody who did just that brilliant picture of of a remote control sticking out yeah. of the TV screen. So that stopped me at the last minute. But the thing that I was going to throw it uh, throw throw it at was the fact that, that we didn't have one shot on target. This mindless fuckwittery of tick attack of football with players passing around on the 18-yard area. If, if one good thing happens at the end of this season, it has got to be the death of Tick Attacker at Chelsea, Marco. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, just think, I just think everything's gone mad at Chelsea. I mean... <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> I mean, in the, in the 30 minutes that we've been on air, Alexandra Pato's earned £98.21. Oh, I've seen you doing your Pato watch on uh, on Twitter, man. Right. <laughs> grand for seven weeks' work. It hasn't kicked a ball yet. Amazing, That's isn't the it? problem at Chelsea, summarised. Mm, it, it is quite mental, isn't it? Um, I mean, you know, it's really, really sad. I, uh, you know, it's sad for us. It really is sad for us because I, I still harboured, you know... Uh, dreams of going to Wembley this year and I thought oh well you know it might be a crap season it, you know we've really exactly shot ourselves in the foot but at least I'll go to Wembley in a few weeks time and I love Wembley semi-finals because you get all of us there it's a great day out you know I wasn't even thinking as far ahead as the FA Cup final I was just thinking oh well we'll get a trip to Wembley and 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 they you know it was just so disappointing and I think it was the the limpness of the exit that really upset me Clayton well, as I said, they, they didn't. They, you, you look at the team that was out there, and, and we've talked about Costa and Costa's passion. Who in that team have you got that picks the players up by the scruff of their neck and says, "Come on, you know, look at those six thousand guys and girls over there. Let's do it for them. Let's do it for us. Let's do something." There's nobody there. They're just like they all look at each other, and they're all so, you know. What, one of the things going back to Costa is the fact that he got the shit kicked out of him. Where, where, where were the people defending Costa? Where were the rest of his teammates helping him out, giving a few Everton players a kick? Mm. They were nowhere. 
It's because there is no passion. There's no team. The team has gone. The team isn't there anymore. They're a collection of individuals. Um, you know, I look at somebody like Asby who, who gives everything. I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I don't criticise him. I think Branner gives everything. I just think he's not, you know, he's not the best anymore. Um, and I, there, There's nothing there. There is absolutely nothing there. We're 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 basically looking at a team that's that's falling to pieces. Um, Gus is is left with a pretty pretty poor squad because you look at the side, you say, well, who could he have brought in? What what did, what could he have done different? Nothing. Look no. at that bench. He, he you know, pretty it's, much it's, he pretty much chose the the best team available, and and, and clearly exactly. he was going for it. Um, let's move this on to to what was even more of a limp exit uh actually in in some respects this was even more depressing uh the psg game i mean you know i mean i wasn't there that's the first um the first meaningful european game that i've missed at stanford bridge really in the last 12 12 or so years and i couldn't make it because i had to work and sometimes these things happen um but from from what i you know watched on on telly when i came home and, and put the old tivo on I actually thought it was a decent first half. I thought we played pretty good football, and and I and I was particularly impressed with Kennedy and Mikel, but especially Costa, who I thought was really really at it. Dan, yeah, I thought he was he was brilliant. I mean, we had responded to their goal very very well. I thought you know when Hazard missed that chance at one one, you talk about defining moments in the match. Along with Costa going off, that was it because he really should have led, led it and put us two one ahead. I thought we played some good football. I mean, they they I don't think they were at top digging into top gear. I mean, some football they'd play, the way they were coming down our full-backs time after time, I think if they had to step up, they would have beaten us more convincingly. Mm. It was it was an okay performance. It was it was a damp scrubbing. You know, Kate had mentioned the uh, analogy. It reminds me of that Sheffield Wednesday semi-final when we sh- were home and we got beat by David Hurst and Paul Warhurst. That kind of whole really kind of horrible feeling that you got to, you know, so far and it just gave rugs being pulled from underneath you. You know, well, you know one of the things that really... You know, struck me. I think you you just kind of alluded to it there, Dan. Really, but um, you know, we we were in the game still, even though they'd scored that goal, which was you know clearly going to be very. Uh, it's, that that's going to you know flatten a team a little bit. But I mean, we could have scored, uh, as you said. Hazard had that 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 you know was cannoning off everywhere, and he perhaps on another day would have buried that. Two minutes later, Zlatan goes up the pitch and kills the game. Um, so I mean that that was a turning point, but I think the Costa injury actually, I, in respect, in many respects, I think that was the most significant significant turning point. You know, because whilst he was on the pitch playing the way he was, you know, you still felt we had a chance, mm-hmm. uh, and then he went off, and 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 it and it was as if the the rest of the side just thought, well, it, you know, he's gone off, so there's no way we're going to win, so we just might as well give up. And actually, you know, we're talking about the Everton game and the limp way we went out of that. In 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 a way, that last twenty minutes uh, f- uh, on Wednesday was even more depressing. I thought, Mark, it really was. Marco. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like that expect niggling expectation. You know, like you were talking there about just that perhaps forlorn hope that we were going to get to Wembley. Yeah, um, I had the same weird little dream that somehow we were going to repeat the um, the glory of 2012, and you know, over like we overturned the, the Napoli 
um, deficit, uh, you know, went to the new camp and did that and got to the final and upset all the odds. You know, I, I think Chelsea supporters of a certain vintage will always have that blind optimism. Yeah. Um, and so it was. And, and you know, when, uh, when Costa scored, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to do this but then when when there was the, the the double save incident you just kind of knew then that that was it um you know it was like uh i don't know they, they were just a better football team they wanted it more um they were better in pretty much every department across 90 minutes and you know it was almost like you know, they, they were the flat track bullies in that game. Mm. Um, you know, something that Chelsea had been used to for a long time. The tables have been turned now. Well, I think, I think you know, there was an overriding sense. And, and uh, you know, you're, you're right, Marco. It, it, it was a game of very mixed emotions because, you know, we were, we were already behind the eight ball uh, with a 2-1 deficit. And on the night, PSG... Uh, you know, I mean, it helps scoring first, obviously, but they they looked in control of that game all of the time in a in a very poised and powerful way, like we used to. But you're right, at the back of your head, you know, we've been brought up on the last ten years of tremendous fight and spirit by Chelsea to to get themselves out of trouble, get themselves back in a game, and and, and maybe get through. But you know, at the end of the day, I think you're right. The forlorn hope analogy is spot on because actually we are not as good as them. And actually, the proof of that particular pudding was again. You just look at the respective benches. You know, they lost um, um, Verratti for the game. He was one of their key players, and they bring bring on Rabiot, who who plays a very significant part in them winning. And you know, our our only player really who who looked like being able to turn it on, being Costa goes off, and then suddenly the the whole striker backup that we've had this season just looks like the appalling decision that it was Clayton. Yeah, I think after they scored, I, I, Dan alluded to it, that, that we actually hit back and I thought we played really well. And I thought after we equalised, we had them on the ropes. I thought the crowd was absolutely fantastic at that time and, and, and we were playing really well. Um, I think, yes, that, that they did look like they were very dangerous every time that they uh, they went forward. But you've got to remember that the, the goal that they scored, the second goal, which was just after we missed that chance, was very lucky. It was a misplaced pass, which which yes. fell perfectly for them. So you know we can be hard on ourselves and uh, and and when when we deserve it, yeah. But I thought in that particular game we we didn't get very much luck. Um, yes, they were much better than us in terms of player for player, but I think we played very well. I think you're 100 percent right. I think once Costa went off, that was it. Yeah. It was finished. There was no way back. Um, that that really disappointed me, mate. I've got to be honest. Well, I've, I, I I don't know. Nobody's really addressed this. I'm not talking about us, but I mean just generally. He went off in probably our most important game of the season. And then on a Wednesday night. Yeah. And then Saturday afternoon. Oh hello, yeah. I'm back now. That's a really I mean, good. What, what was that all about? That, I mean, basically, yeah. you know, I know we're going to come on to Hazard, but. That, that game was crucial to us and I don't know what happened I don't know if he tweaked something or whatever but the other thing I want to say is however shit Remy is Remy is an experienced striker and I think sending on 
um, Traore was was an absolute nonsense. I really do. Yeah, but you I say that. And, I mean, how how utterly shit has Remy been whenever he's come on recently? Yeah, he not, is not, utterly not, shit. Not just not not, not, <laughs> not just the way he's played, but it's it's his attitude as well. He, he's clearly had enough. Yeah, I and I don't blame him because I think no, he's I been don't. treated appallingly. But I mean, when you you know you play for the shirt, not for yourself. Anyway, bottom line is. I think we 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 played okay on Wednesday, but it just underlined. Well, we, we played as, okay as for si- in the first. We, what? we played okay for sixty seventy minutes. Yeah, and then and they then... Da- and then they just they just wa- they waved the white flag. I mean, I was gonna I was gonna. In fact, I I don't know if I did tweet this or not, but I was gonna send out a tweet saying waffle eating surrender monkeys. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear, no, I just I I mean. All that Wednesday was was basically showing Roman what an absolute horlicks the last two years have been. Mm. I know we won the league, which is a bit of a churlish thing to that say. Was, that was a real horlicks what, winning the league and the and the capital yeah, World Cup what, against what, Spurs. What a, <laughs> what has happened to our squad? But that, that's the point. That's the point I'm making, Clayton. Extraordinary. Is that, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't matter what what period you go back to, but you know, in the last ten. Also, years our, our squad depth has been superb, and and frankly, that was the difference I think against PSG, who I don't actually think are one of the top sides in Europe. I think that there are four or five sides in Europe who are better than them, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go out in the next round if they get somebody decent. And I think that also hurt a bit. You know, I, a Chelsea of a couple of years ago would have whipped their ass. You know, I, well, three years ago maybe. But you, you know, they, that that was all the, 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 the that was all very much the part of the disappointment with me. But also, I just felt that was just not a Chelsea team that I'm used to seeing. One that just waves the white flag because it doesn't. It just looks impossible that they won't do it. You know, that that's not the spirit that won us the Champions League in 2012 when we were we were you know arguably as poor a side as we are now. But we had spirit and organisation. We just bulls our way through, and I think that was so depressing to see. Uh, probably eclipsed by only one thing um, and this really hit home to me because I wasn't there but that of course is our last championship, Champions League game at the uh, at the current current stadium and, and, and or is it? well uh, well, yeah. I, well what, you know you know something we don't know Marco? well you know what I was having a conversation with somebody on Saturday evening drunk as it was um, which said if you know, if, if it look, I mean, it looks like it's going to be Conte, but I'm sure um, what one of the terms of Conte's contract of employment will be, or is, that, that he has to finish, he has to restore Chelsea to the Champions League um, within his first season. Um, I would imagine that would be his number one key performance indicator. And I think were he to do so, brilliant. Worry to fail, or if you know, if if the job's too big for him in some way, um, it wouldn't surprise me if myster- a mysterious reason to delay the whole um, stadium project is found. Well, it's an interesting yeah. point, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, mate, and and I address this to all of you, really. You know, I would rather we. Um, you know, rebuilt the side and actually put in place, you know, a plan which actually has some longevity about it on the on the footballing side, than than spend five hundred million on a new stadium. In my, I mean, you know, it's a moot point how 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 much we need that financially. I think there's a very good 
uh, a very good case to be made to say actually you don't because of the amount of TV money that comes into the game and the amount of commercial revenue that the clubs aspire to make. Uh, and I like the stadium as it is. I, I mean, okay, it's easy for me to say that. I've got a season ticket and I go every other week. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would have no problem with that stadium staying as it is, Dan. Yeah, I totally agree. And also the question, question is how many fans are we going to lose because we're not in the Champions League? Because, you, you know, where I was sitting on, on Wednesday night, at least 40 certainly looked like they were just here for the day. So no Champions League means a potential drop-in in fan base from, you know, the fan boys and fan girls who come with their selfie sticks and take lots of pictures because it's Champions League day. So yeah, That's a really good point, actually, Dan, because, you know, our, our mate Steve Byrne, Bunsey, said in the, yeah. I think he was in the shed lower and he said that he was surrounded by tourists. I've had a lot of comments from people saying that the usual people that are with them on a Saturday or a Sunday weren't around. I mean, I had a, I had a, you know, it, it takes a lot for me to miss a game, but I, I just had something I absolutely couldn't get out of. And, you know, I'm afraid with the, with the Champions League, you kind of take a bit of a gamble because you don't know whether it's going to be on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And this particular occasion, I lucked out. Um, I don't know what everybody else's excuse was, but clearly Clayton and Marco, they, they you know, a lot of the regulars weren't there. Uh, where I was sitting, most most of the, the regular people were there, but there were a lot of tourists, and I think it's inevitable. Well, the 40 that Dan was talking about, did that include the team? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Listen, yeah. we're kind of approaching approaching uh, you know the end of this part, so we, re- we really should uh, talk about Hazard. Marco, do you, do you give a shit whether somebody swaps their shirt with the opposition at half-time or not? Uh, to be honest with you... Um... I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's just, I just find the whole thing laughable. I mean, why would you do that? Why Why would you swap shirts with anybody at half time? Who is actually your I enemy? Mean, if you know, if, if you're um, playing for a non-league team that's drawn Chelsea in the third, in the third round of the FA Cup, and you know you're you're the midfielder of the non-league team, and you want to try and get Eden Hazard's shirt off him before any of your teammates do. Then yeah, you know you go up to him, and go Eden. Any chance of having your shirt at half time, mate? But but you know why why swap why swap shirts with Angle de Maria mm. at half time? Well, I mean the only reason I can think is that he wanted to put his shirt over. What is arguably one of the most ugly faces in football? Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the pair of them have got sweat fetishes or something. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, um, I did that. Dan. Uh, you know, I think that actually did piss me off. Like, like Marco uh, obviously pissed him off. But uh, what pissed me off more was this. Uh, you know, asking to be subbed bullshit again. Um, I mean, perhaps I'm being unfair with my criticism. His his dad, who was his agent, has come out and said he's been carrying an injury. Uh, pretty much since Christmas. Uh, yeah. The only thing he seemed to be carrying was De Maria's shirt and about another kilo of fat that he shouldn't have, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, mean, I think Wilkins' comment was great. He said, I'll have kept his shirt on if I'd seen his body. Yeah. He actually it. Um, Coming from Ray, that's quite harsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, the shirt thing, I mean, to be honest, doesn't really bother me. I mean, it's, it's, it's such commonplace now to happen. I mean, tradition dictates it's done at full time, but you know, it, it, it didn't have any impact on his performance or anything like that. Listen, he could well be carrying an injury because he's certainly no one of the player he was. He doesn't run the players anymore. He, he doesn't twist and turn like he does. So if he's carrying an injury, then maybe you should give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Because if a player like him who's so much 
about twisting, turning, short paces. If he has got a hip injury, that's going to be very detrimental to his performances. But you know what? I mean, all season though, Dan. Sorry. Has he been injured all season? (laughs) Mentally, first half. But I think, I think, I I think. I see. I see everyone's point. But I think if he is carrying an injury, which I'm not saying he is, and it is in his hip, then maybe he should cut a bit of slack. I mean, quite frankly, he's been a shower of shite this season, so he's. He's in last chance to with most supporters at the moment, I'd imagine, if not already out the door. Listen, I think I think this, these are all valid points, and I and, and I agree with you. I think it's it's harsh to be you know critical of somebody who's been playing without an injury, but I think it begs a lot more questions than it answers. And one is, if he's been playing with an injury, a fair play to him if he's been trying to play through it. But why are they picking him? if he's playing, you know, if he's got an injury, because that's not good for him or his career or us in the long term. Uh, the only thing I would really question of Hazard um, really is his mentality, and that worries me. I mean, giving your shirt to the opposition at half-time, that is not the mentality of a of a kill-or-be-killed no. warrior. And also, you know, all this rubbish about, well, I'm happy even if I just play. I, I don't know. No, you, you can't be... You've got to be angry if you lose. I, you want, you want I, to thump people if you lose. You, you know... I want the mentality of a winner, and I and I wonder. And, and Mourinho dug him out about this. Said if you want to be a really really good player, basically your mentality has to change. And I wonder about that. I really really do. But my hang on, Dan. My final point on this is, having said all of that, um, and the fact that he gets paid a lot of money and all the rest of it. Um, if you think all the other clubs that would happily sign Hazard and Shot, that probably tells you why we need to keep him. Yeah, totally agree. I think as tanned as he is. He hasn't got the mentality. I think I think Dan the B might have alluded to the fact that all he cares about is football and family. That's it. I don't. Yeah, but playing got... football, not winning at it. That's what worries me. Maybe that's what I mean. He hasn't got that. You look at look at Ronaldo. But that that man is the epitome of desire and determination to, to to win and win and win. Same as Messi. Hazard, of course, been at that level has got to get a nasty streak in him when it comes to mentality. He's got to think. You know what? It's got to be Eden and Hazard show. Look at the way Ronaldo struts around Madrid, Messi at Barcelona. Those are top, top, top players, season in, season out, pro yeah, winners. You, you wouldn't, would you get rid of him then, Dan? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, oh. I, I would keep him because I think he's, from a, from a footballing perspective, so, he's now so Mar- Marco, would you, would you keep him? Um, do you know what? I probably would not keep any of those players... Um, that have been playing for Chelsea, including Hazard. Why? Uh, with the exception, perhaps, of William, um, who's been a star all season. I just think, you know, the rest of them, the reality is, you know, when if Conte's coming in and he's he's got to build his team around somebody, you know, we haven't got... We need a... The, the, the leadership's gone without Terry playing. Um that needs to be addressed first and foremost. And right. then... Okay, look, you're, you're, you're getting nicely into the territory of the, the next part. Oh. Uh, and we are going to a break. And I shall, we shall be talking much more about this after the break. So we're going to be looking at the future of Chelsea and asking, will it be wilderness or wonderland? As we discuss what big changes will be needed to get us back to the top. See you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast, and we're uh, edging into part three, which I've entitled Chelsea, the Future, Wilderness or Wonderland, and to discuss arguably uh, what is possibly the most important summer at this club for... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Well, certainly since Raymond came in, and I would argue going back a lot further than that, I've got the wonderful Dan Silver. Evening. I've got the sage Mark Worrell. Hello. And I've got the avuncular Clayton Beerman. Avuncular. Good evening. Avuncular Clayton Beerman. Avuncular Clayton Beerman. I don't know if he was very happy with that, Marco, judging from his reaction. But I I was desperately searching for Mythosaurus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still deaf, des- uh, as you just told me, I'm, I'm, I'm desperately searching for my teeth. I don't know where they've gone tonight. All very odd, but there we go. Um, anyway, getting back to the plot as we were. Oh, of course, and a renewed hello to all of the wonderful people we got on in Mixler tonight, of which there are many, including Tony Glover, Gary Wilson, Debs, Dan Francisco, uh, Panky's in the house, Andy Silverman, loads of the old regulars in there it's great to see so many of you in there i'll try and uh you know pick up on what you're saying it's not easy but i will try um we were kind of talking uh i, I was having a bit of a go at hazard's mentality and, and i think the jury was distinctly out about whether we should keep him or let him go um mixed reactions uh you know in the fan cast tonight but um one of the things for our our fall from grace for want of a better word it seems to me that too many of the current team uh, neither have the physique, the heart or the mentality to compete at the very top of the game at the moment um, first of all uh, Dan would you agree with that? Yeah, without a doubt I think our, our footballing style is about four years out of date, you know, we bought sort of ticker tacker in after it was coming to an end 
none of our players are physically imposing. You look at some of the, you know, the like um, the guy at uh, Leicester. What a player he is! Small, stocky, strong. These players get knocked off the ball too easily. Pedro's always getting knocked off. Oscar, it's it's completely wrong squad for modern football. You know, I know Roman had a obsession with tikka taka, but it's too too little, too late. It's not that sort of football anymore. Completely different. I mean, actually, before I go to Marco, Dan, um, you know, on, on the Hazard, you, you've got a question about Hazard. Well, you? Yeah, the question is, if we start next season, Eden Hazard is that unbelievable player that helped us win the league and he's back to his best, do we keep him? Because my view is, if a top one form Eden Hazard, injury-free, walk into any team in Europe and we may have to sell him because you can build a team around him. What, you know, what, do you re- what do you reckon, Marco, to that? Well, I don't disagree with that, but... Um... I don't think he's heads at Chelsea anymore. And I don't think the fact that there's no continuity in terms of manager, um, there's no leader, there's no real leader there. There's nobody say, yeah, come on, we're Chelsea. We're all in this together. All of that's gone. Um, And, you know, I don't think we would ever get that back from... Hazard would never get his head back at Stamford Bridge. That's the point I'm trying to make. I, I just can't see it happening. And we need players um, from the kickoff of the first game next season. We need 11 players on that pitch who the supporters believe actually want to be on that pitch um, wearing the shirt, wearing a Chelsea shirt. Um, and I don't think we'd get that between now and August with Hazard. And that being the case, you know, his place on the pitch would be better taken by. You know, I'd, I'd rather see, um, you know, somebody like Kennedy, I think he's wasted at left back, you know, pushed forward, you know, players like that, players like Traore with a bit of hunger and a bit of ambition, you know, players who want to do it, want to wear the shirt for Chelsea. And I just can't see Hazard ever getting to that situation again. I mean, I'd love to be proved wrong, but, you know, um, and I hope we don't waste the 70 million that, that, that we get for him in the way that um, other teams have wasted transfer fees for, for their star players. You know what? I, it's a really interesting point, isn't it? And I, I just wonder how, how much of this attitude uh, resides with our kind of generation of Chelsea supporter. But in a way, Marco, like you, I, I would much I would be happier to watch a team uh, of, of Chelsea players who had a connection to the club you know, and 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 I know it can be a bit spurious with the academy now, but at least have some connection to the club, who played their heart out for the club, who gave 120% every match that they played for, had pride in the shirt, and had a connection with us, but were absolutely shit. Than than you know, dilettante, overpaid mercenaries who just don't really care. And I th- I think that this is the the, the heart of the discontent. And the, and the, if you like, the palpable discord between the the club and the player and the players and the fans this season is that we've rumbled that, and and I think I would accept as being shit if they gave everything for us, and I don't know if they are these days, Clayton. Ah, uh, you wouldn't accept it. You, it was crap back then. Yeah, that's true. It was true. absolutely crap. I mean, you know, you and I, I'm, I'm older, <laughs> I'm older than you. We, you know, I used to. I used to turn up to games at twenty past three, absolutely slaughtered because it was so awful. What, what, what do you mean used to? Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, you turn up at three now. It's not. <laughs> but you know, the, the the fact is that football's moved on. 
you know, we we are not going to get the guys who will die for the shirt. We could get guys who are more interested than this current bunch. Oh, yeah, but I, I no, I mean, I'm not willing to watch. A, a, I mean, so for if Marco Marin comes back and replaces Eden Hazard because Marco Marin wants to die for the badge bollocks do I want to see that yeah. not uh, in a million years th- thank Absolutely you thank you so much Clayton for being the voice of sense and reason and, and I think actually what that epitomizes really is how you know how we can let the passion get the better of us and get a bit because no, I mean you, you know rose tinted and misty eyed about it all go back to Lukaku okay Lukaku was okay he's from Belgium but it doesn't really matter he was a Chelsea fan he wanted to be at Chelsea now he wanted first team football we didn't fight hard enough to keep him. He would have put his his uh, his you know his neck on the line for us. You know, I I mean David Luiz, you can't turn down fifty million. But I looked at him on Wednesday night and yeah. thought, Passion. that was our, that was our captain. Yeah, that was our future captain forever and a day, and we let him go. Now, okay, captain. What was it? Re- what I used to call him, Captain Geezer Legend. Yeah, I mean, but so I think. In some respects, you you sort of look at you look at Leicester at the moment. How many of their players would you want on this side? I mean, you look at the Leicester team. I mean, obviously got Mares. Is it Kante in midfield? Well, at the moment, Clayton, any of them that can run faster than our lot, which I'd say is most of them. Oh. I could run my faster than our lot. Listen, but... I've got Clayton. I hate to butt in, but I've got I've got this fantastic email that I want to read out. Yeah, uh, go on. Because. Uh, it kind of moves it on a bit, really, in terms of you know where the blame lies for the trouble that we find ourselves in. Um, I think I have the answer to this, but it's from a, it's from a mate of Gary's actually. Gary's in the house tonight. It's from your mate Steve, Steve Burton, and he says, "Hi, Chidge. After tracking back from Goodison Park with Gary Wilson and friends on Saturday, finally getting to bed at three o'clock in the morning after a long fog-bound journey with M1 closures, I thought I'd write in to say that we cannot avoid the elephant in the room." And he's not talking about me. Uh, namely, the malaise we continue to suffer is ultimately the fault of the owner, Roman Abramovich. Emanalo may be providing crap advice, but Roman's four other cohorts know nothing about football. They are business people, and that is it. At some point in the past few years, their strategy, if there actually is one, has proven to be naive at best and inept at worst, and we are now we- reaping the very poor harvest. Can you really see this lot on and off the pitch leading us back into the Champions League next season? We're all hoping that Conte will be given full control of the of team selection and transfers, but do you think he actually will have the power that he needs? Unless he has, I fear the decline will continue and be even more desperate. I wish I could be more positive after going to see the Blues these past 48 years, but I've seen it all before too many times. This summer is the most important we have faced in many a year. Roman needs to wise up and take a back seat and let Conte do what needs to be done, or we will be in a bigger hole this time next year. Yours in frustration, Steve. Now, the reason I read that out, because uh, normally we leave the emails to the end, but I just thought that was so pertinent to what we're discussing at the moment. And also, funny enough, pertinent to what both Clayton said in his blog for the Chelsea Fancast yesterday, and the one that you wrote, Marco, for ESPN. But it seems to me that Steve is echoing a lot of what we're feeling, Marco. Absolutely. I would agree with every single point Steve's made there. And um, to, to, and the most important, or the, the two most important factors for me are, um, you know, since Abramovich took, took over Chelsea, 
he you know the people his his um his acolytes you know the cable of advisors that he's got around him not one of them really has got any kind of football pedigree um you know the, the, there's just nobody really in that club um who from the top down who supporters can you know really believe in um you know there's just nobody there and, and all of that just cascades down through the club um and you know we you could argue we've got lucky you know abramovich bought chelsea at a time when you know there were it was a carve up between arsenal and united who who won the league um nobody else really had any money um it was a good time for him to come in you know chelsea really asserted themselves and, and made the best use of the financial muscle that um roman was able to bring you know managers came and went players have come and gone but th there's been nothing organic about any of that so it's just been hired hands and you know the the likes of terry and lampard who were there before abramovich came they've gone that whole culture that was built up you know i mean it was built up it started when bates appointed glenn hoddle um that was the catalyst for it all it wasn't abramovich's money but that was the catalyst for the success the abramovich wouldn't have bought chelsea if bates hadn't appointed hoddle that's my, that's my view on it um so that whole culture of success goes back 20 years except what we've managed to do is just fritter away uh the heart and soul of the club with the exception of the supporters um and so what happens this summer um is is phenomenally important because you know bramovich has to recognize that you know michael emanalo i mean the abuse he gets now is horrific whether it's justified or not is immaterial well, i'll tell you what you know, marco sorry to butt in but let's let, let just review that for a second um, this is, uh, hang on, I had, I had, a, li had a list of, of um, players that uh, Emanalo had bought recently, and I, I've completely lost what I've done with it, which is a real shame. I've, I've, I've got Peter, it. Peter, Peter Watts' tweet earlier on. I, weirdly, I've got the, the ones that we've let go. Let me just tell you the ones we've Should let I... go, yeah, and go then on. you can tell me the ones that we brought in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Moses, Mata, Scherler, Lukaku, De Bruyne, Luis, Luis, Czech, Bertrand have gone out. And who have come in? Um, Begovic, Baba, Pedro, Dillard, Boji, Hector, Emilia, Miazga, Kennedy, Falcao, Pato and Pantic. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's that's monstrous mismanagement of a huge degree and actually just to pick up on what marco was saying i'm sorry i mean mark do you want to carry on what you were saying because i know i butted in did you have another no, no. i mean just my point is i mean i think i've got to the emanalo thing you know at the end of the day it's not his fault he's been given that job and he's been given the keys to uh roman's treasure chest treasure chest and and you know off you go off you go michael um <laughs> whose decision is that who's it's not emanalo's fault you know there, there needs to be 
we know we know these players aren't good enough for Chelsea. Um, you know, Roman's been around Chelsea long enough. That, you know, it's it's thirteen years now. It's not um, he's not just fresh into football. You know, he's been around the game a quarter of his life now. Um, why does he let it persist? Yeah, does, it, does he not review this kind of stuff? It is it, it, that? Do you know what, Marco? That's a, a spot-on point. It, it, it's bewildering um, because the man is. You would have thought he's not an idiot. Just to kind of like you know pull all that together, um, you know, in terms of why it's gone wrong. I mean, clearly the board are culpable. The transfer policy has been a shambles for the couple of years. There's, by the way, there's a few brilliant articles out there this week. One by Don Fifield, I think, absolutely underlining the shambles of the recent transfer policy. And I think he was talking the last three windows, which is a good good uh, barometer. I think this god-awful pursuit of being Barcelona light and trying to play tic-a-tac-a has destroyed everything that was great about that, that first incarnation of Roman's team. But I think the other thing that's really that they're very culpable for is this poor succession planning. You know, I mean, chopping and changing the managers, no philosophy, no style of football other than this bloody awful rigid four, uh, you know, four two three one. Uh, there's so many, so many reasons. The thing is, Dan, I mean, the question I would like to ask is, you know, are are we capable? Is that is the club at the moment and the people who run it, are they capable of turning this round? Or if they don't, are we going to enter into some sort of a wilderness period where it, we could do a Liverpool, you know? Yeah. Um, on this answer, I think no. But this this is this is probably our most important season for us. Not just the transfer window. This season is, is defining for us because... Okay, we've had one bad season. If if we're sensible, we buy the right players, do the right way, then I think we will pick up because we've still got a, a good basis to, to to build. But I think Emanardo, I just I, I can't. It's like passing a driving test and getting getting a Ferrari. He's got no. He's, he's I, I, I don't see how he boots the club. I mean, for every Eden Hazard, you've got your yeah, Marco Marins. We need a club like us need a decent director of football. You look at the way City. City are four years behind us. Look how well they're run. They've got Bagheerasteen and the other ex-Barcelona player. They've got players and they've got sort of director of football, so you've got respect throughout the football world. They've, well, they're, hard, they're hardly pulling up any trees, Dan, to be no, fair. No, but not, not on the pitch, but off the pitch. Off the pitch, they're miles ahead of us. Well, what, are they doing right, of us. what are they doing right off the pitch? Well, they've got director of football who's got married to get Guardiola. And Guardiola's arguably one of the best coaches out there. They've got they've got people there who who got respect in football. Emanuele was played five games in Notts County and managed an American girls yeah. team. But you know they've got they've got Guardiola because Berrigan or whatever his name is uh, has, yeah, a, has a has a really close relation. He's a mate of his, so you know. Uh, I'm saying in terms of how they how they won the club, the players they bought. Look at you know. Well, I think they've also. I mean, I'm 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 deliberately being devil's course, advocate here, yeah, Dan, yeah, but obviously. you know the way what I look at City is I think they've got as many shit players as they have good. I mean, you know. Considering the money that they've had, and they've been able to, they've been able to splash the cash in a way that we used to uh, at the beginning of Roman's reign. Yeah. I would say that they've got a, a plenty. I mean, look at their defence. You know, when uh, company's out, they look terrible. Oh yeah, obviously they're on the pitch, they're, 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 they should be. They should should be dominated. If Mourinho was in charge of that City team, they'd have won the league three years running. Mm. No doubt. So they've got a phenomenal squad. Yes, they've got some dead wood, but then every, every club got dead wood. I think the whole, Roman needs to have a big hard look at the, the structure. Going down, yeah. Football board does the football stuff and does this development in China, wherever they want to be it. And you get somebody in who's number one is Conte. He's football top all the way down in terms of how the, the youth team play, the reserve team play. Who comes in, who comes out, down to one man. He wants you know a, a couple of coaches to help him fine, but 
let the football people win the football game, yeah. not not some half baked crap footballer who no one likes. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, look, I, I think I think we could do a lot better than Manalo, but I share uh, Clayton and, and Marco's view that actually you can't just pin it all on him. I think there's a whole <laughs> a whole uh, collective responsibility here. Clayton, you wrote a fantastic uh, blog on uh, the Chelsea Fancast. And by the way, people who are listening, do check it out. It really is a cracking read by the wonderful Clayton. Um, what what changes do you think in terms of on the pitch uh, do we need to kind of, you know, have a have a shot at, a shot at it going forward? It's quite interesting, actually, because during the purple <coughs> the purple patch of the season, which lasted for about 20 minutes, when uh, we actually had a, 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 a a run, a run of games. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, we, you know, we had a run of games and I was sort of looking and thinking, you know, we we have got the core of a decent team. Uh, whatever anybody thinks about Thibaut, who I think has been very poor this season, he is a decent keeper. He's only 23 um, and he has shown us what he can do in the same way he has it. So you've got Thibaut. Who knows what Zuma's going to come back like? I, I really don't know. I mean, I hope if he's anything like he was, then, you know, that that's a great centre-half. Um, Costa and Hazard, we've talked about, you know, if those two players are still there. You've got William, who I feel so sorry for at the moment because I think he's basically pulling that caravan up the hill <laughs> all season. I think he's finally, he's, I think his back's gone. Clayton, Clayton, Clayton. Do the wheels yeah. on our caravan go round and round? Ooh. Apparently they do. Apparently they do. <laughs> so you've got him. You've got Aspie. And you've got Kennedy, who looks good. You've got Triori, who looks good. So I think that is the, the basis if if those three three main players stay. You've got Christensen, who apparently is playing very, very well in uh, in Germany. Uh, fantastic. I just, have, just briefly want to tell you, the Express say that Chelsea are fighting Barcelona for Christensen. And I was thinking, well, that's a pretty interesting fight on the basis he's our player signed to a five-year contract. So I don't know what sort of fight they're going to have there. Um, one person I didn't mention in my article, which I got pulled up on, uh, only because I haven't seen him, is Ake, who apparently has played yeah. really well for Watford this year. Um, well, I, I, I watched that yesterday because the, the glee of watching Arsenal getting evicted from the FA Cup was just too <laughs> too good yeah. to miss. And, and Ake was brilliant. So, so you've yeah. got him to come back. I don't. I mean, you've got Charlie Masunda, who's pulling up trees in who, Spain. Who apparently, wants to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona, and he's learnt Spanish. See you then. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and one or two, or maybe out of Baker, Brown, Chibola, and Solanke to come back. So maybe one of those. You've got Tammy Abrahams. So there is about fifteen or sixteen people there, but we need at least five five decent players we need a midfield we have not got a midfield this this to me is our biggest problem I mean yeah obviously we got problems all over the place but to me the midfield is the engine and our midfield has been absolutely dreadful um, I don't know you mentioned something about English players and getting the Englishness well, back I'll, t- I'll tell you what, what I meant meant by this actually yeah. it might be relevant to bring, yeah. yeah it might be relevant to bring this in now but I, I, I you know it, it could go very very pear-shaped and I and I accept this but I, I don't think it's like you I don't think it's all doom and gloom I think if we if we got rid of um, I mean basically to summarize it I, I would like to see a return to some Englishness about the side uh, you know because I just think the connection between us and, and, and those kind of players 
warrants that and we do play in the Premier League and, I, and I'll tell you something very quickly I remember you know I, 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 I we're all old enough even Dan to remember what football was like in the 70s and the 80s and um, in those days we shat on everybody in Europe and we did it playing with a very English uh, type, type of game pace power uh, and Liverpool of the 70s they also had the ability to keep hold of the ball so technically they were decent players as well and and I don't see why we can't adopt that again you know the European side don't like it up and if you can play with pace and power and directness and also know how to keep the ball you'll go far so but, you know a return I... to Englishness on that basis but really the other thing I was going to say Clayton was just a, a you know a blend of star quality youth and experience with a bit of identity and style and I don't think we'll be going far wrong no, I, I agree. I agree entirely. And I think Dan said earlier on, the one thing that one of the biggest things and one of the biggest problems is the fact that we're so far behind what other teams are doing at the moment. Good you know, point. in terms of you look at Leicester um, and the speed and the power that they've got going forward. We, we just scramble them. Yeah. Leicester have scored, have they, Marco? Yeah. yeah. So it's just... 1-0, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, fat yeah. Spanish waiver. Right. Waiter, he's looking very tag. fat. He's looking very fat, by the way. Yeah, well, he'll fit in. He'll fit in with five bellies up in Geordie Land, won't he? Uh, so, I mean, just yeah. I mean, I I agree. We we just need an overhaul. And and as I said the last time, I said in an article, Conte would be fantastic. Everything you hear about Conte is is just off the scale with with goodness. You know what he did at Juve and all the rest of it. But if he's allowed to manage. Yeah. If he's allowed to get on with it, because if he isn't, as I said, you might as well get the Chuckle Brothers in. Well, that's a very good point. And uh, talking of the Chuckle Brothers, uh, Marco and Dan. Dan, would you like to comment on, on, on what Clayton and I have said? Would you would you broadly agree with that? 100% yeah, I think Clayton's pretty much summed it up perfectly. You see, this is a great thing. the great thing is on this show now is we can vehemently disagree with each other because all of us are out of reach. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's absolutely nail on the head. We got, we got, we're not a complete and utter back to zero we got you know enough to start again five key players I mean Clayton and I spoke on Twitter yesterday about what we need um, we need left we definitely need a left back we need a centre half two midfielders and a striker mm. yeah I, I think, think I think you've pretty much nailed that I'm going to leave the last point to Marco very very quickly because we're almost uh, on time for this uh, part but I, I saw a wonderful tweet from Dermot, Dermot Drummy Marco remember him uh, Dermot, was he yeah oh. well, he, used to, he used to be the youth coach didn't he yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, do you know what he said? He said this. He said, transition time for Chelsea, for me. Whoever comes in has to keep John Terry within the first team because you cannot buy history and DNA. Too, too true. Yeah. Good point. I mean, would you obviously you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was surprised. Well, apparently he's re rejected. He's not interested in the Brondby manager's no, no, job. But, uh, you know, all, all those things that... Um, you and Clayton, or that Clayton mentioned in his in his summary, what what amazes me is that we we on this show we when we're in the pubs, all Chelsea supporters can sit down and debate and identify all these issues. Yep. This is what we need, um, and yet. <laughs> the the, pe the people who are paid millions of pounds a year to run our football club for us because they know best can't see it and you know that is why you know half half these players that really 
we we should have at Chelsea um, if they were at other clubs. You know, if, if Christiansen um, had started his career at Southampton, he'd have probably been bought by Manchester United for thirty million by now and be playing first team football in the Premier League. You know that that is where the fundamental problem at Chelsea is. I, I just think that they just that the people haven't got a clue um, what they've got. And you know, and Conte, bless him, you know, great manager, great pedigree. Um, he's he's just going to have a right. This is what I think this is the first eleven can be. You know, Lewis Baker, yeah, he's good, but you know. It's not on my list, is he? So, you know, Nathan Ake, good at Watford? Yeah, never heard of him. Um, that's the problem. There's no continuity. And, and I, I just think, I, I believe in miracles. Um, and I would have loved to have had a tenner on Leicester winning the league at 5,000 to one. <laughs> and if I could get stupid odds on Chelsea to win the league next season, I'll have a tenner on that because I'll always believe we can do it. But I just think at the moment um, it ain't going to happen. I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. It's almost like it's almost like Abramovich needs to say, "Do you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to make John Terry the manager of Chelsea Football Club. He can bring all his Chelsea mates in, and at least the club will have spirit. You know, these fellas are not stupid. They know. They know." Um, who the who the right players are they know where they are and they could do it and it's almost it wouldn't be it wouldn't be any worse than what 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 we we are facing but but it would be one hell of a lot more fun for the supporters well you know what i think that's a lovely way to end it on because you know this is one thing that that i think the club mustn't underestimate really and and that is the the huge need to address the disconnect between the club the players and the fans and and I feel that if they don't sort this out it's only going to get worse and worse and worse and actually a, a time of massive change let alone on the playing side with Conte coming in and new players and what have you with a with a potential rebuilding the stadium and all of the, all of what's going on at that if they don't nail this then I think we could you know we could find ourselves in trouble because a lot of us lot are getting older and we are still the hardcore uh, of the fan base uh, in terms of numbers, certainly, and I don't. I think a lot of the newer fans might just say, "Well, bu- bugger that! I'll go and support City or whoever." And so the club really need to look out for this. They really do. Anyway, we've got to go. Cheers, we're, we're cheers, at, we're at, no, you can't because we're over time. Okay. Right All after right. the break, we're going to have the usual roundup of Chelsea supporter news, together with a very, very, very exciting competition to win vouchers for a classic football shirt, Chelsea shirt. And we'll see you in a sec. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back, I am Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. We are uh, on the home straight. I've uh, got a wonderful uh, couple of posts that I'm going to read out from Mixler. Uh, Osgood9 says, two-hour show on Mickey Droid. Now, that would be something. I would be tempted. <laughs> he also said earlier on, we're not signing DNA, are we? Uh, I think I think the, the answer to DNA is did not answer. There's a pun in there somewhere. 
Uh, anyway, I got tumbleweed for that, as I always do. Uh, tumbleweed will never apply to these three fantastic people, and they are in no particular order. The fantastic Dan Silver. Oh. The wonderful, my favourite Chelsea author, Mark Worrell. Hello. Don't tell Kelvin Barker. And... Uh, <laughs> He's not listening, he's fooling around on Twitter, Kelvin. Is he? Oh, is he? Kelvin's great entertainment on Twitter. Has he said anything remarkably interesting? He's he's actually, he's created, I asked him if he'd invented it, and he said he had. He'd got a a little face of a fox and then put O-X-E-X-S after it. Come on, you foxes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but did you see if you hovered your um, mouse over it, it said wolf? No, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm sa- I'm almost sad to be missing that rather than doing this show. And last but by no means least, you heard the wonderful uh, Clayton Beerman. And uh, and uh, there's a couple of other comments. Osgood Niners also said, "Mr. Kid is quiet tonight." Well, that would, that would be because he's not on the show. I gave him a I gave him a rest this week. Uh, he, he's oh, back he's on next week. on the show. I know. That's why I gave him a rest. Oh. You know, give other people a chance. And uh, Gary, is he doing a voiceover? He is doing a voiceover as Chidge. Well, that will be proven in a minute when I'm the one, I am the mug who has to read the emails out. And there's some cracking ones this week. Uh, a couple that relate to a lot of things that people have been saying. And actually very interesting it, it being that Leicester are playing tonight. And the other one is just a beautiful, beautiful email. And in a, in a way, it's a great shame that Jonathan's not with us to read it tonight. But it says, Hi, Chidge and the boys. It's now become a Monday night tradition in my mum and dad's house to listen to the fancast on Mixler, much to my mum's dis- dismay of having to listen to your dulcet tones. Oh, no, I, I don't think I, no, 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 no. It's not. It's not her dismay at having to listen to my dulcet tones. It's it's her dismay of having to listen to my dulcet tones rather than her beloved Coronation Street. My dad and I are lifelong Chelsea fans and love that you all tell it how it is with the club and the players. My dad often tells me the tales of the Chelsea of old, and his hero Charlie Cook. Last year, for my dad's 60th birthday, I contacted Charlie for a signed card, who very kindly obliged and treated him to hospitality at the bridge for the Southampton match. Although in hindsight, a day of unlimited singer was not a good idea when we got asked politely to leave for singing Blue is the Colour on the stage at Under the Bridge. Fair play. Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to thank you for giving me the idea of a CPO share for his birthday this year. After listening to the show a couple of weeks ago, I think it's something that every Chelsea fan should do to protect the future of the bridge. However, the share certificate hasn't arrived in time for his birthday on Thursday, so what better way to let him know he's a new shareholder than to mention it on the show? I'm sure hearing Jonathan wishing him a happy birthday will be almost as exciting receiving a birthday card signed by his hero. Uh, Sadly, it's me, uh, Sandra, but never mind. Anyway, so if you wouldn't mind giving a shout-out to Bill McAllister for his birthday... It would be greatly appreciated, and I will owe you a pint of Guinness next time we are over at the bridge from Northern Ireland. Keep up the good work, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills, and hopefully we'll get to join you for a pint sometime soon. Thanks, guys, Sandra, or Sandra even, McAllister. Uh, As you know, everybody out there knows, I will do anything for a pint of Guinness, and uh, that is the proof, if proof was not needed. But I think what we should do, chaps is that we should, uh, mind you, he may never listen to the show again if we do this, but I'm, I'm prepared to take a risk that I think don't we should, do we should don't sing do Happy no, Birthday. Actually, it. we can't do that. Do you know why? Why? We get sued. The people who own the copyright for Happy Birthday, the song Happy Birthday, oh, are yeah. the most litigious copyright people in the world. So, actually, we're not allowed to sing Happy Birthday. Well, I think we should just all say Happy Birthday. On, on three, ready? One, mate. 
Happy birthday, Bill McAllister on three. One, two, three. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Bill McAllister. Bill McAllister. Uh, Up three. the chills. There you go. Well, well, I, I hope you're having a cracking day, mate, and I, and I look forward to getting that uh, that Chelsea pitch owner's share. They're massively important, and and as and as your daughter says, it's a great way of protecting the future of the bridge for generations and generations to come, and that is massively important. Right. Next email. This is great because actually uh, the boys are going to have to do a bit of work on this by answering the questions, uh, and they are fantastic questions, and, the, and they they're very they're on very similar themes. So I'll read them both out. The first one's from our mate Daniel Cabral. And he says, I have a question for you and the boys. On the final match of the season, Chelsea beat Leicester to secure fourth place. But by doing so, the Spurs or the Goons win the title. Would we want to see that happen? Hold that, hold that thought. And S. Gansanso, or something like that, S. Gansanso, I'm going to go with. On one of your podcasts, please discuss why Tottenham are worse than Arsenal fans for fans who don't live in the UK. We don't understand the rivalry. Tottenham have always been shit, which I, I just think is, is so beautifully worded. So, first of all, I think the first question is, if it meant that Spurs or Arsenal uh, were going to win the... Hang on. If, 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 we beat Liver, if we beat Leicester and it meant that Spurs or Arsenal won the title, would we rather lose to Leicester? And the second one is... What you know? What's the rivalry with Tottenham fans? Why do we? Why? Why do we? And should we hate Tottenham more than Arsenal fans? When for the modern fan, it seems that Arsenal are probably the most odious fans in the universe, apart from some people up in the northwest that we're not yeah. allowed to mention for legal reasons, or, or want to keep our jobs. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to. Who shall I ask first? Who was the, the who wanted to ask De- Clayton? You were you were oh. desperately wanting to ask a question before we went to a break. So I'm going to ask you first. Um, I'm. I'm very, very amused by all of the um, would we let Leicester win if it meant that it's going to stop Tottenham or Arsenal. We couldn't beat Leicester in a month of Sundays at the moment. I think people are, <laughs> people are uh, slight, slightly deluded. Let Leicester win, they'll take us to the cleaners. Um, I mean, if it means stopping one or other of those, then obviously yes. And uh, those of a certain age will remember a, a very famous time when Bolton came to Stamford Bridge yes. on the last day yeah. of the season. Yeah. Um, and if they won, then Everton would go down. And um, it was a, it was the one and only time I've been at Chelsea where when we scored, it was booed. Poor old Jody. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Was completely confused. Now, was, that so, ni- was that 97? Not sure. Not no, sure what year it was. Yeah. It might have been. It might have been the game before the cup final. Yeah. Do you want me to then tackle the? Well, I'm going oh. to ask. I'm going to ask each one of you the same question, uh, so you might as well. Okay. So, um, as far as Tottenham are concerned, what um, our correspondent has to remember is during the period when Tottenham were shit, so were we, and our main rivalry was with Tottenham. Uh, 67 cup final loss uh, them getting Jimmy Greaves when he came back to England then putting us down in 1994 there was a massive massive rivalry um, and for people of a you certain you mean 74 don't you do I yeah I do mean 74 sorry 94 I'm talking about um, for people of a certain age i.e. my age the rivalries Tottenham always has been because in those days, Arsenal were... They weren't brilliant, but there, there was a period then after that when we weren't very good when Arsenal were winning everything and, and we weren't on the same playing level with them. So that's that's it for me. I've got other historic reasons, which I'll keep personal. <laughs> for uh, legal reasons. 
No, no, it's just it was it was a uh, family. All oh, right. Family. Well, that's uh, good enough. A lot of my 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 dad's brother took me to see Tottenham um, because they thought I'd be a Spurs fan, but uh, um, didn't work. So that that for me is why the the rivalry for certain people of certain ages is okay. there. Uh, Marco, um, the Leicester situation first, and then and then why why we, it's a, it's our congenital birthright to hate Spurs more than anybody else, and particularly Arsenal. Uh, I, I just sincerely hope that by come that game, Leicester have already won the league. Um, and any any other scenario, and you just know that with with Chelsea the way they've been this season, they they they'd go and bloody beat them. Um, and whatever the consequences of that were, it would just be horrible. Even if it was, you know, even if it was City who won the league, which no one really minds, to be honest with you. They're kind of like, I mean, in my book, they're the they're, they're lesser of all the evils out there. Um, if City, you know, if we're going to go through a fallow period for the next two or three years and City win the league every season while, you know, Guardiola's enjoying his sabbatical in 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 the uk um then that that that's fine by me uh but but the prospect of beating leicester and um spurs winning the league or arsenal winning the league just makes me feel physically sick <laughs> and what about spurs what, what what you know explain explain for the uninitiated what, what well i mean, I, I mean I'm, 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 I'm Probably of similar, very similar vintage to Mr. Beerman, um, and therefore I can relate to everything he said there about why um, why Tottenham are sort of a, more of a, um, a rival uh, to be despised than Arsenal. That said, um, it's quite funny. I was having a conversation with Kelvin a, a while ago, and, and he said. We must be getting old or something because this is like the first season where we found ourselves liking the Tottenham manager and one or two of their players and, and admiring the football they're playing. Um, you know, that said, it doesn't make them any more likeable and want them to win anything, whereas Arsenal are just, you know, they're, they're, they're just, I don't know, malingerers. There's just something, there's something odious about the self-entitlement the Scousers of London, mate. Well, exactly. That you know, that whole thing. Um, you know, at least Tottenham supporters haven't had the temerity to not not that I pay I pay much attention, but I haven't really seen too much um self entitlement. I think they're almost disbelieving. Well, the... you, just to pick up on that point, Marco, I mean it's it you know, I I've been saying this for a long time and I've got a few mates, believe it or not, who are Spurs fans, but over the last twenty odd years We've 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 so unceremoniously dumped them on their arses. I mean that record that we went on. That, that that actually every Spurs fan I know, actually you know they kind of doff their hat to me whenever they see me. They they know their place. Yeah. They absolutely know their place of being shit and mediocre and under under our thumb. You know, yeah. uh, which is very different from what it was back in the day. You know, going back a while. Um, but uh, and, and actually, for, to, to, I'll, I'll have, sorry, Dan. I'm going to have my go first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Okay. But for me, that that's why whatever happens, you know, Spurs must not, cannot win the title, because you know that eruption will will just be massive. You know, they've been put in their place by us for so long. 
can you just imagine how un 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 oh unmat yeah I can't I don't even want to go there and think about it. Can you imagine what they'll be like if they win that title? And it is I just can't don't even want to think about it. Arsenal I can cope with because I've seen them win the title. You know, I can deal with that, but not Spurs. I want I want them to never win it again. You know what I mean? That and then I still wouldn't be satisfied. Dan, uh, do do both. Do the uh, the Leicester and, the, yeah. and why we hate Spurs. Um, well, firstly, I hope Leicester win it because, well, most important reason is it's John Terry's last game for us. And if Leicester win the league, they're going to have to do the bloody presentation on the pitch and nothing should take away from JT's last match at Stanford Bridge. So from that point of view, I hope the league is done and dusted before yeah, we play Leicester. Um, in fairness, I mean, I grew up very much in a Tottenham and Arsenal supporting family. I hate them all in equal fashion. <laughs> I really hate them all. I, I just, it's, it's like choosing which one they're going to get stabbed or shot. That's how I feel, to be honest. Um, on balance, though, probably Arsenal, because I've seen them win it more so the last sort of 10 to 15 years. But Spurs, because when we played um, uh, Munich in the Champions League, all their you know avatars on Facebook were Bay Hotspur, and they were lauding it, lauding it, lauding it. So from that point of view, I hope they shit the bed and come third. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just just to put a line under that, I, I agree with all the lads there. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I never want to see Chelsea lose ever, ever, ever. And 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 let's not forget that Leicester were pretty odious in the eighties when, uh, you know, when we used to meet up with them, shall we say? Um, but I, I like Claudio Ranieri actually, and and I would be very pleased for him. But ultimately, I would I would take us losing to Leicester if it meant that either Spurs or Arsenal lost. Period. Uh, and the rivalry with Spurs, I think the only other thing to add to that, of course, is that, um, you know, back in the naughty days when hooliganism was rife, we did have quite a rivalry with Spurs and they had a reputation for being a really snide bunch. So they'd basically pick on on on, on, on what, what in the football factory would be called civilians, Marco, i.e. people that wear shirts. But as soon as anybody who was going to have a go at them would turn up, they would run. So they had a horrible reputation of, of not being very uh, nice and somewhat snide. Talking of which, I think that uh, I think that, uh, Bank Holiday Monday will be interesting, won't it? Won't it? Just eight yeah. pm kickoff. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you what, you know, this isn't that long ago. I mean, well, it is now. It's getting on for fifteen years. But I remember one League Cup match when I I walked down uh, Fulham Road. And I'd from work on the way to the game, and I was a bit late, so I've missed I've missed pub rendezvous time, and pretty much every single pub on my walk down to the ground have just been done over by Spurs fans. This is only 15 years ago or so. If yeah, that... but Chidge, last last season, walking to the bridge, I got caught up in the the little posse that was basically being shepherded into Stamford Bridge on a Wednesday night, and that was seriously seriously unpleasant. Really, really not nice at all. So I don't, you know, not a lot's changed. No, I th I think so, and I think that there there there's a weird, quite a lot of them are, are a legacy of that, and that you know I think they they young lot you know took to it quite quite well. Uh, I tell you what, actually, Sang 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 Song, I can't even pronounce your name. I'll just call you S. Uh, go and get the football factory and you'll understand why Chelsea hate Tottenham and I think we should leave it there because there's loads to do uh, not least we have a wonderful 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 uh, alliance going on here I shall read this out Chelsea fancast and classic football shirts have come together to offer all football fans around the world a fantastic opportunity to win a £50 voucher from classic football shirts uh, classic football shirts stock a huge range of original football kits from all over the world. Leading brands such as Adidas, Nike, Nike, 
Puma, Asics, Kappa, Lotto and Joma to name just a few. Now whether it be new products with the tag still on, rare player issue items or pre-owned classic shirts from the past, the site has something for any football fan. With kits dating back to the 70s right through to this season's collections, you'll find it hard not to reminisce about the fond memories from yesteryear. Now, the competition is open to entrants from all over the world, so whether you live in Kensington or Kenya, uh, Kensington Barbados, I presume they mean, uh, you still have a great chance to win this fantastic prize. It couldn't be simpler to enter. All you have to do is answer the simple question below. Are you listening? How many times have Chelsea lifted the Premier League title? Don't answer it, you three. Uh, now, to enter, all you have to do is click uh, on the link to the competition, which I'm going to put up now on Mixler and right after the show on the Chelsea Fancast Twitter and Facebook pages uh, where I'm placing a blog. So basically, if I put this link up, it's a link to the blog on the Chelsea Fancast website and it'll have details how you enter the competition now. It's going on Mixler live as we speak. The technology works. Um, so there we go. So if you go to that link, and uh, as I said, if you're listening as a podcast, go to the Chelsea Fancast website, and it'll be in the On The Blog section, Classic Football Shirts. Go in there, the competition, and you can enter there. Now, um, the competition closes at midnight on the 31st of March 2016, and the winner will be announced soon after. The winner will receive an email from Classic Football Shirts to organise the prize. And as a thank you for entering, all participants will also receive an exclusive discount to use the Classic Football Shirts website. And the link for that is also in the blog that I put up on the website. So there we go. Good luck with that, people. Now, a bit of news. I've got loads of news. I'm just hoping we can get through it all before I spontaneously combust and we have to go home. But I'm going to give it a whirl. CFC UK. You can get the latest CFC UK uh, article at home. Uh, article? Uh, blog, uh, fanzine. I'll get it right in a minute. <laughs> My teeth, they have seriously gone AWOL. My teeth have done an Eden Hazard tonight, haven't they? You know, And I don't mean they've got fat and overweight. They've just disappeared. Anyway, you can get <laughs> CFC UK at home games from the CFC UK stall opposite Fulham Broadway Tube, which is where a certain man called Mark Worrell resides. Isn't that right, Marco? Uh, I certainly do on a match day, yes. Yes, and hopefully the weather is getting more clement for you. Now, yes. if you can't get it there, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, just follow at cfcukusa, and they'll organise getting a copy for you over in the States. Is it a good uh, is it a good addition this month, Marco? It certainly is, yeah. Um, it's a mix of angst and memories. Okay. Excellent stuff. And uh, Clayton, you're, were you happy with your article? Do you know, I haven't, for whatever reason, got a copy of this month's uh, this month's magazine, which I shall pick up on Saturday. But um, I wrote about loyalty, so okay. uh, it well, I, have I, been more... I got very Marxist in my uh, desire for cheaper tickets for everybody and even quoted the great man. So I've been a bit of a revolutionary this month, but there you go. Right, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, by the way, I hope everybody saw the uh, new Chelsea Supporters Trust banner that was hanging at the uh, Matthew Harding end at the game no. last last Saturday. No, it was brilliant new banner, uh, which we put up there, which is great fun. So ch- look out for the banner. There's a newsletter that's going to be emailed out tomorrow for everybody uh, who's a member, by the way, and I'm sure there'll be pictures of it in there. Now, join the trust, get your voice heard by the club, five quid to become a voting member, free for non-voting members. Sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. So you can attend the meetings, come to the events and vote on the issues that directly affect you. Make sure you get your voice heard. Follow us on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And talking of the trust, there will be 
uh, a virtual general meeting, which is like a special general meeting, but one that we're going to hold virtually, and it will be on the 23rd of March, so that's a week tomorrow, no, a week Wednesday, um, and we'll actually be doing it via Mixler. That's how we do it. So the Chelsea Fancast hosts the next Supporters Trust meeting. There'll be Twitter and Facebook stuff about that, but for all of you lot listening in here and listening to the podcast, you know where it will be. Now, talking of the Trust, they've just issued um, some information about the Brompton Cemetery cleanup. Uh, and the board's very pleased to announce that in conjunction with the Friends of the Brompton Cemetery in the Royal Parks, they'll hold a, a, a first Volunteers' Day to assist with the cemetery tidy-up and grave-tending on Saturday, March the 26th at 11am. That's got to be the international uh, break weekend, hasn't it, lads? Anyway, there are a number of graves closely associated with Chelsea uh, FC, and several of these are inaccessible due to overgrowth. Chelsea Football Club has kindly agreed to provide us with any tools and safety gloves that we might need. There are already a number of people who have expressed an interest in helping, uh, and we hope that this will be the first of many such events. Further details will be released to members nearer the time, but if you're interested in coming along, please email inquiries at chelseasupporterstrust.com using the subject header Brompton Cemetery. Um, very, very quickly, buy a CPO share. All you need to do is go to info at chelseapitchowners.com. You know it makes sense. And while we're there, Chris Morgan at Blue Yonder CFC is running the London Marathon in aid of the CLIC Sergeant Charity. And he's doing it, uh, which is for cancer. And he's doing it and dedicating the run to the lovely Kirsty Wilson. Gary, Kirsty's old man, is in Mixler as we speak. And it's a worthwhile cause. And good luck to Chris for doing that. And sponsored by going to justgiving.com, Chris Morgan 30. Goodness me, we're almost out of time. It's been mental, far too much to talk about. We could have done four hours tonight, I reckon. Uh, oh, Gary says that Chris has pulled out. Blimey, uh, that's breaking news. I will find out, Gary. Um, but knowing the shape that Chris is in, I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, <laughs> it's been the equivalent of me trying to do it, which is like a heart attack waiting to happen. Uh, anyway, I'm sure he meant well. Uh, anyway, we've got to go. Um, I'll be back next Monday, March the 21st, to look back at the game against the Happy Hammers. And I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd. And Dan is back. Back, yeah, five in a row. Uh, I know, I'm sorry. You, you, had, you were so, supposed to have the night off tonight. I was fine, fine. I wasn't doing anything, so I just yeah. put football in the background, so it's no problem. Well, at the moment, it's just you, me, you, me and Jonathan next week, so I, I need a fourth person, so I need to get my finger out and do that. Cause maybe Ross can... Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe get Ross off the bench because he couldn't yeah. do this week. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. But at the moment, it's just the three of us, and fuck all to talk about because there's only one game. So I've got to, I'm going to have a work cut out next week, but hey-ho. Right, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, uh, Clayton at Goalie59, Mark at Gate17Marco, and, and Dan at DanSilves73. Correct. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. And, of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. It's wonderful. Clayton writes blogs, and they're better than mine. All, that's all I can say. Guys, it's been brilliant fun tonight. I, I've really enjoyed the show. There's been so much to talk about. And considering we said we, there wasn't going to be, I think we've done very well. Dan, brilliant to have you in here. Thanks so yeah. much for stepping in at the last minute. My pleasure. Enjoyed it? Yeah, it's always great fun. So, yeah, we enjoyed it. Good stuff. I'll see I'll see you at the West Ham game in the next Monday. Uh, Clayton, lovely to have you on the show again. Absolute pleasure, mate. Really enjoyed it. It's been uh, it's been very good. Cathartic, I think the expression is. Is that the, the right expression? Yeah, I don't know yes. what cathartic is, but whatever it's the mic, the sound on your mic, it sounded like cathartic. You sound like it was well, farting, mate. No, I was, I was very very careful not to say cathartic. 
Oh, that's very bad. Mate, I, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because it sounds horrible, but I've loved you you in this house tonight. You've been brilliant, and thank I you, love the comments you've made. Yeah, Last, it. but by no means least, the wonderful Mark Worrell, who I will look forward to seeing for a cup of hot chocolate at the CFC UK. Take shut up. You sound terrible. Mark, great to have you on the show. It's been cheers, brilliant. Cheers, mate. Enjoyed it. Yeah. I'll see you on the Saturday, mate. Yeah, cheers all. Look Good forward night. to that. Good all right, many thanks to my lovely guests this week. Thank you to you lot in Mixler particularly. Always great to have so many of you in there. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.